Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, Dodger fans? Thank you for listening to another episode of The Incline. This is Kevin Klein here. I'm also joined by David Rosenthal and Jake Reiner. But we want to get to our exclusive Dodgers interview right now. So let's do it. All right, guys. Over here at The Incline, we're really excited to welcome our next guest. We're making another call to the Dodgers bullpen. And I don't think any of us here combined can match this man's passion on the mound. This man's energy is just off the charts. We're talking to Dodgers left-handed reliever, Alex Vesia. Alex, how you doing today? Good, good. Thank you guys for having me on. You actually, you said my last name right, so that's cool. <laughs> all right. <laughs> of course. Uh, we watch all great, your games, man. so it's, it's second nature at this point. Very cool. So, Alex, before we uh, get into you real quick, I, we would like to know how the team is doing. You know, obviously you guys are – already in the playoffs but yeah. you're still you're still playing for uh, first place in the NLS two games back of the Giants as we are recording this today on a Monday so what is the mood like in the clubhouse how is it how does it feel coming to fe- come to the field every day uh you know can you kind of take us inside uh yeah yeah I mean it's been it's been a new experience for me as well right because I mean this is my technically it's my second year in the big leagues and you know there's one goal in the clubhouse and that's to to win that game each day so that's been a, a really cool uh, experience you know and I've been talking with a lot of the guys and I mean super motivated to to kind of everybody's fine-tuning things right we got one week left and then and then it's you know where everything counts so um, it's definitely been a lot of fun and, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we just want to win. We want to win every single game that we can. And, uh, if it plays in our favor, it plays in our favor, but, uh, you know, we just going to play our game. Yeah. And of course, you know, you guys are obviously focused on winning your games, right? There's nothing, yeah. you know, that's the only thing you can really control. And yeah. us as fans, we're, we're always watching the scoreboard. We're keeping an eye on the Giants of what they're doing. Are you guys doing that during the game? I mean, you got you have a few innings to kind of, you know, relax a little bit before you have to kick it into gear. Are you keeping tabs on the Giants during the during these games? Uh, not as much as you think. I mean, depending on what ballpark you're at, uh, it's tough to see scores and stuff like that. But, I mean, I only really focus on, on the game that, that we're playing that day and then Usually, you know, you go back in the locker room once the game's over and, and then see kind of, you know, how things play out. Uh, but now definitely when we're playing our game, it's our game and our game only. So solid. All right, David, yeah. take it away. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, first yeah. question. So as of a week or two ago, you're, you were first in baseball and swinging strike percentage on middle middle pitches. Uh, I like to call that fuck you fastball percentage. That's just me. <laughs> But uh, does that kind of thing give you extra confidence in your stuff, knowing that even when you're challenging hitters like that, they're swinging and missing against it more than anyone else in baseball? And then to go along with that, have you always had such you know strong vertical movement on the fastball, or is that something that you've developed recently with the Dodgers or the Marlins, or has that always been kind of your thing with the fastball? Um, super good questions. So the first one is, I've it does give me a little bit more confidence because I can be a little bit I can be more in the zone right and mm-hmm. I think I mean we'll, we'll get into it I know you guys will get into it here in a couple more questions but like I needed to trust that right like in in the minor leagues I mean I could do that 
literally 10 out of 10 and, and a guy wouldn't even touch it in the big yeah. leagues. It's a different story. I mean, from the number one hitter to the number nine hitter, it, you know, they, they can hit. So it was me being a little bit timid in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, working like around the zone. Like there were some, sometimes where I'd look at where my misses were. And I mean, we are just nibbling on the corners. So that was something that I needed to, you know, kind of embrace and, and, and really trust it. And, and once I got, you know, two or three outings in a row where I was blowing a fastball by a guy and it was right down the middle. I was like, yeah, all right. Like this stuff works, but, um, so to answer your second question in college, there was an outing where I threw like 90 pitches in a start. Cause I was a starter then mm-hmm. and 88 of them were fastballs. So like to do that over a course of five or six innings, like I would say it's a little bit, you know, it, it's that's not the usual you know usually you throw change-ups and sliders and curveballs but for me like the fastball always kind of played um but I had no data or analytics in college to like back that up so I would always go back and forth with my pitching coach like why can't I throw like more change-ups or more sliders and he was like you know they can't hit your fastball and it just seemed weird to me you know and then I got into pro ball in 18 and, and, and then really in 19 is when it really took off. And that was where I felt my, or I found myself pitching more on the, in the top of the zone when I got to two strikes and you got more swing and miss. Um, but it wasn't really until I got to the Dodgers where they were like, do you know what your fastball does? And I was like, not really. Like, what do you, <laughs> yeah. you know, what do you mean? And then they start giving me all these charts and, and the, the data and the analytics and, um, the spin efficiency and it's not even the spin rate really like that's a whole different topic that like my spin rate's not crazy but it's the efficiency on the ball and it's how it rides and and how I release it that does it the way it does I guess I mean I I couldn't tell you that like I went to somebody or like trained that way I've always Mm -hmm. thrown the exact same way it's just the efficiency on, on the baseball, it could be, you know, MLB baseballs. I don't really know. I haven't, I'd love to figure that out and, and like get back to people on that. Cause I get that question asked a lot. Like why does the vert there? Why is your vert the way it is or, or whatever? And I'm like, I, I couldn't tell you like people like would look at like my fingers or like, or like the way my wrist is and stuff. Cause maybe that plays into it, but like, I don't really know, but definitely like the, how the Dodgers want me to throw, has definitely like, you know, brought a lot of success and stuff like that. And, and I, you know, I needed to trust them and, you know, it's all, all process that doesn't happen overnight. So when, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, bursts of it and, you know, I've, I've had, you know, last couple months have, have been pretty good. So. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. If, uh, if I could jump in here real quick, because I do find it interesting how you, kind of changed your approach as you got into pro ball. And even in this season, you have made adjustments to your game. Um, We saw before you were sent down to Oklahoma city, you seem to be struggling a little bit with your command. Didn't seem like anybody was really hitting you. I mean, you had a a 114 batting average against uh, 059 bat pip. So it was, it was strictly about command from what we were seeing. And then when you, once you got called back up, uh, which is was on uh, July 9th. After that, 30 games, you've been with the big club, 0.98 ERA. They're still not touching you. It seems like your command has improved a lot. So I guess my question is, what what were you working on during that time when you were uh, in AAA during the season? So I'll, I'll bring it all the way back to 2019. If you look at my 2019 stats, my walk percentage, I would say, is, is fairly low. Right. And I, you know, thing, things were going good. And, and, you know, that was a great season for me. Right. And then 2020 happened where I get called up to the big leagues. The next day I get COVID. I spent a whole bunch of time in, uh, in on the COVID IL. And then when I got brought, uh, brought back up uh, to the big leagues, I, I only had four innings. And that was all I really pitched that whole year. Right. So like, you know, the, the Marlins wanted me to change some, some mechanics and I was all on board with them because what I thought, I I thought it made sense as well. Right. We were, you know, how I came set feet placement, you know, just different little things. I spend all the off season working really hard to, you know, perfect what the Marlins wanted me to do. Right. 
I go out to Florida, I throw a couple bullpens for them, and then I get a phone call that I got traded, right? I get to spring training, and the Dodgers go, we don't like any of that. We want you to go back to your 2019 mechanics. And I, and I got really frustrated because I just spent this whole offseason kind of – it wasn't – it's not like it was, you know, drastically changing anything, but it was enough to where it felt, like, uncomfortable again. So then, you know, I spent spring training trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out, going to the alternate site, still figuring it out, got called up. And you saw the bursts of, like, I'd walk a guy, I'd walk a guy, and then I'd punch a dude out on, like, three or four pitches, and he didn't have a chance, <laughs> right? And it, and and so after the outings, you know, I, I'd work with Connor McGinnis or, or even prior and was like, they go, we don't even care about the walks. Like, look what you did to this batter when you struck him out. And for me, I was like, all right, like, you know, there's like a, you know, flash of it. And then there, in the next outing, there's a flash of it. But, you know, I'd walk a guy, walk a guy, you know, and it just, I put myself in super hard innings. And so I get sent down to AAA. I got to kind of, you know, free my head and, and kind of just, it was almost like a fuck it mentality, right? I don't, you know, it, like, here it is. And in AAA, I was able to just knock off, you know, like six or seven innings of just really clean and crisp pitching performances, right. Where I'd come in and, you know, I knew what the scattering report was. I, I knew how to get the guy out. And then I went and executed it. And my, you know, you see my confidence go from down here. Oh, here it comes a little bit more, a little bit more. And then get going back up to the big leagues. It was, I just told myself like, you're the same person. Like this is the same game. And sure enough, like, you know, we just keep knocking good innings off and, you know, then doc starts putting me in, bigger situations and and you know now my confidence went from zero now I'm you know I'm like all right let's do it I want to be in there you know every chance that I can so definitely the you know going down to triple a I you know my parents say it all the time like that was a very very smart move with the Dodgers yeah it sucked but like I got to reset and then you know build back up from there so in case you didn't know, we're talking to Cal State East Bay's all-time wins and strikeout leader. While doing some research, this quote really stood out to me. You said, people always say you can't get to the big leagues from Division Two. Yes, you can. I am proof. I think that is just so awesome. So with that being said, my question is, which Dodger teammate or teammates have helped you the most during your first year with the organization, and who in particular do you look up to? Oh yeah, I mean you. I walked into spring training, and I mean you got Kershaw, Bueller, Price, right? You got Trinan, who I've I've become actually pretty good friends with. Corey Knable, like all five of those guys I just named, I've had really really good experiences with them, talking to them, and just picking their brain, seeing how they go about their work, and you know it's it's been it's been really nice to like, you know, after let's say a tough outing, right? they'll come up to me or I'll go up to them. Right. And I'm like, you know, what do you got? Right. And then they just, they, they give me little feedback where it's like, it's not the end of the world. Like you're going to have ups and downs in this game. Nobody's perfect. Right. And like, I think that's like a really cool thing that like my teammates know that. Right. And that like, we're going to win ball games no matter what, because of how great the Dodgers are. Like, it's not, you know, it's not, we don't have to worry about that, but just staying on top of, of your game and being confident every single day that like the Dodgers want you on that 26 man roster because they believe in you. And that's like a cool, it's a very like good feeling that like, you know, I, I'm, I feel like I'm a part of the team and I know I'm a part of the team and, you know, we're going to have success moving forward. So like, that's definitely, man, it's a, it's a good feeling for sure. All right, I got another one for you. So we we've obviously seen you're pretty you're you're pretty energetic guy on the mound. Uh, we we love to see it. Uh, but I want to know what's your pre outing routine? Are you an energy energy drink guy, smelling salts guy? We've heard we've heard Gavin Lux say he drinks like what fifteen Red Bulls and twelve coffees before a game or whatever it was. <laughs> so are you are yeah. you are you to that level? Or are you just naturally just fired up on life? No, so I mean like so I usually. I don't have, I'm not a big coffee guy, mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't usually drink coffee, but like before, so inning number one, I'll drink half a Red Bull um, and just like leave the rest or whatever. Yeah. And then in the fifth inning is I drink a whole, a whole one. It's just the 12 ounce sugar-free. 
Um, I don't know why, but I like the sugar-free one way better than, than the sugar <laughs> yeah. one. I don't, I don't know yeah. what it is in it, but, um, and then, yeah, basically I go through like my band, uh, routine and stretching and rolling out or whatever, um, in the fifth and sixth inning, it all depends on how many pitches the starter has. So it's mm-hmm. like, if he's, you know, rolling, you know, 50, 60 pitches going into the fifth inning, I'm not even touching my Red Bull or, uh, or doing my bands. But like, if he's in the 70, 75 pitch range, then yeah, I most likely will drink that, do my bands and everything. And so it's like, I just, I've always kind of been, I've always been like that where I'm, I get really jacked up when I'm on the mound. Um, there was a funny story. I was in short season a ball and it was the first time that I'd ever pitched uh, under the, under like the, the lights. Right. I never like in college, we never really had like a night game and we were losing like eight to two or something like that. And I ended up like, I either got like a pop-up and then I, I remember striking out the last two guys. And I came off the mound and I was fired up. And like all my teammates were, they had just met me. Right. And they're like, we're getting our butts kicked like eight to two. Like, why are you so jacked up? And for me, it was like super special because like division two guy never pitched underneath lights. Like there was actual crowd, right? Like people in the stands, like that was super cool for me. So like all the guys were giving me crap and stuff like that. But like, yeah, I've always been pretty, you know, like fired up because I just I like to I like to be like that. It's just myself. So yeah. Is is it one of those things where you always have to be ready at a moment's notice? Or we know that managers uh and, and organizations like to kind of script out games as 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 much as they possibly can in terms of which pitchers they want to use. So do you know kind of before the game that you're gonna be used on a given night, or is it always you need to be ready at a moment's notice? Um so it all so it's tough to answer that because it's really team specific, right? So it's like if a team has a lot of lefties, then yeah, I, sh- I could be ready at any time, right? Um, or if a team you know doesn't really have a lot of lefties, but a lot of their righties can't hit the high fastball, then that that also plays because I get lefties and righties out pretty equally. I wouldn't. I mean, I have confident getting both of them out. I don't know about my stats or anything, but um yeah it's definitely like you go through like a you know we have all of our sheets or like the scatter reports and stuff on the hitters so it's like you can kind of tell like if a guy can't hit a two seam or i'm not gonna pitch to him you know i mean i don't throw a two seam so it's like it's definitely depends on the hitter and the scatter report and, and what that tells us about when you when i'll go into the game and stuff so all right. We saw the team photos. What was the inspiration behind the Mario costume? Oh, I mean, people have told me I look like him for a long time. I mean, <laughs> I, like ever since I started, cause I had a mustache my senior year of college and uh, people loved it. Right. Like at least all my friends were like, this is like funny. It's cool. And I was like, and I told a couple of my buddies this year, I was like, I think I'm going to break it out for playoffs. And they were like, that's an awesome idea. And then <laughs> Uh, JT was like, Hey, we're doing like, uh, uh, you know, the team dress up. And that was the first thing that popped into my head. I was like, Oh, I'm doing Mario for sure. I get to shave, have a mustache. I looked just like him. And then we did a picture <laughs> of me doing that thing. And I yeah, lost yeah. it, man. That was so funny. So <laughs> yeah, it, that was cool. That was definitely a fun, a fun thing. Cause I've never done that before, you know, like dressed up or, or done anything like that, like team oriented stuff. So for me, that, that was pretty special. And, like, how creative we got. And, like, yeah, that was cool. That was definitely a cool moment. Who is best dressed? I mean, who other than yourself? Who? What other teammate did you did you really so like? So there was – shoot, there was, like, the – it was the Happy Gilmore guys. So yeah. I don't – The I just thought that all of those costumes went so perfect. Like, everybody really, really, really looked the part. And, like, they went all out. You know, our, our head strength coach, he had like the, the fake hand for chubs and stuff. And yeah. oh, I amazing. Yeah, Johnson, yeah, it was super cool. Like, Johnson oh nailed gosh, that. He Tony, nailed that. <laughs> yeah, he that did. was super funny. We we were talking on the bus ride, uh, Tony and I, that we could have been Mario and Luigi. Yes. And, and we, we, we kind of dropped the ball on that one a little bit because that would have been a great costume. And then like we pitched. He started and then I came in right after him. And that would have been funny because they would have been like, oh, Mario, Mario and Luigi are throwing. And stuff. <laughs> I was like, man, we dropped the ball on that one. Next so, year. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure a good one out for next yeah. year. I, I like I actually like I want to like 
have it be good, you know, not like a basic one or something. For sure. Yeah. All right, I got I got three quick hitter questions for you. Just basically yes or no questions for you. Well, the for first sure. one's not yes or no, but it's just a one word answer. Who's the funniest guy in the Dodgers bullpen? Joe Kelly. Okay. Do you believe aliens are real? Yeah, they're out there. Okay. <laughs> Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Nah, absolutely not. Bacon uh, and pepperoni. Come on. Perfect. And last one, who's your favorite band? Uh, Motley Crue. Perfect. Fantastic. I, I listen to them every time before I go out uh, to the field, and I'm jamming. I love them. They're, they're, they're the best. Old school. All right, give, All right, give us the top yeah, that's song. My, that's my dad. What's the go-to song from them? Uh, Live Wire. That's my, nice. that's my favorite song from Solid. them. Who was yeah. your uh, who's your favorite player growing up? Um, so it was like Derek Jeter. That was like my my main my my dad loves the New York Yankees. He's a big New York Yankee fan. So it was like him, Derek Jeter, uh, Andy Pettit, and then it was CC Sabathia, David Price, and then Marcus Stroman. Those were like my my like guys that I like looked up to and stuff. So like being in the bullpen w- with with DP, that's like a that's a super cool, like day in and day out that I like, you know, I looked up to that guy, you know, for how many years, you know, he's had such a successful career and, you know, so I, I definitely, yeah, he's, he's my guy for sure. That is really cool because you think about you and David Price and then they've, they've all talked about how Will Smith idolized Albert Pujols and now yeah. those guys are teammates. So that's really cool. Yeah. 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 So that like, yeah, and even even I mean, you look around any of the any of our lockers. It's like I go in there, I'm like, wow, like I I play with these guys. Like, you know, I, that's a cool feeling for me. You know, because like 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 you know the the quote earlier where it's like I was a Division two guy. Like, I had so many people that like, why are you going there? Like, you're not going to go Division one. And I was like, I don't have any other offers. Division the Cal State East Bay was the only college to give me a scholarship. And I, you know, to help my family out and stuff, I, I needed to go there to help my family. We couldn't have afforded like a, any big, you know, D1 or, or anything like that. And then I didn't throw hard enough to even go to a division one. So like, you know, D2 was the option. And, you know, after my freshman year, my, my coach like called me into the office and he was like, you can be a professional baseball player. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, if you can hit 90 miles an hour, as a lefty you'll you'll get drafted and ever since that day it was just like tunnel vision that's all I cared about was hitting 90 so and then after my sophomore year uh, of college I was in the Northwoods League and that was the first time I'd hit like 90 and I literally was like the gun's broken there's no way you know (laughs) so yeah that was like you know that's always been that was a really big like motivation for me so uh, Alex, before we let you go, I just have one final question for you because you've had a, sure. a bunch of huge strikeouts this season and you are fired up as all hell when you come off the mound. So <laughs> which was your favorite uh, strikeout or moment from this season for you? Uh, shoot. That's, it's super tough because there's been – there's been like – three that like pop into my head it's the when we wore the city connect jerseys for the first time i struck the one guy out because like bueller had thrown such a great game he gets taken out i get put in and i and i end up getting that guy out so like striking him out so that was a really good like i went nuts for that one just because like the energy and at dodger stadium was unbelievable right and then then the other like two moments were literally back to back where I pitched in San Diego. Right. And like, I'm from down there. Literally I had a hundred plus people there and, and, you know, I had my buddies, I had my buddies that were, they were standing out by the bullpen, literally heckling me (laughs) while I'm warming up. And I'm like, dude, this is insane. Cause like when we talked about those moments all the time, right. When when I was younger and, and, you know, and going out there and then pitching and then doing that, you know, that was, that, that was awesome. You know, I looked in my, my parents were like right behind home plate. Um, and so I'm like running off the field and I'm like looking at them, like screaming and stuff. So like, you know, my dad, after the game, he had no voice. That was so funny. 
It's so funny, but yeah, those 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 moments. The yeah, definitely the because yeah, the game that uh, that Bueller threw that I came in and struck yeah. the one guy out, and then the two Padres games. Those were those are three memories that like they stick in my head pretty pretty good. Yeah, I'd also add the uh, the Met series when you guys were in New York. I believe you got Pete yeah. Alonzo. That was pretty yeah. dope. Yeah, that yeah. was a good one as well. A lot of moments to choose from. Alex, thank you so much for joining us on the incline. Yeah, no you were an awesome guest. Uh, I, we you. we really have become the uh, the bullpen, the Dodgers bullpen podcast. So <laughs> yeah. if any of your other teammates who we haven't featured, I'll, we will tell you that we had Jimmy Nelson on and Blake Trinan. Nice. Um, so if anybody else, uh, Phil Bickford, if he wants to come on, like, <laughs> well, well, our doors are always open, but Hey, Very listen, cool. man, this is, this is awesome. Uh, we're rooting for you guys the rest of the way. And hopefully you guys can catch the giants. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Tell, uh, tell Blake trying, we say hello. And, and last question, has he showed you the meme at all? Has he talked about the meme? Not, not to me. It's disappointing, man. Tell, <laughs> tell him I'm disappointed in him. <laughs> I mean, what describe it. What do you got for me? Well, it's a long story, but basically I, I when he signed with the Dodgers, you know, people have memes for different players. There was an opening, yeah. so I took advantage of it. So basically uh-huh. every time he gets out of the outing, I, I post the meme on Twitter. We're on the second generation of memes, but gotcha. For you. Yeah, this is the uh the main one here. It's basically the theme of he's just kind of always waiting, always ready, yeah. to, ready to come in. We've, we've yeah. addressed, but basically I, I showed it to him and he said, I asked him if on a scale of one to 10, would he like it? If 10 being, would he hang it in his house? He gave it an eight and a half. So I was expecting pretty good. something, but I guess he doesn't tell his friends about it. So it's, it's, cool, <laughs> <whatever. laughs> it's probably because well, he doesn't want to be like embarrassed or something or like, we just want people to give him shit or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah pretty pretty good, but, but now you have our permission to give him shit for it. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right, hey, man. You guys don't have one for me. We can definitely make one for you if you're interested. <laughs> That's I a dangerous one. game, though. It's a dangerous. I saw game. one the other day. The uh, when I got done throwing, the guy had photoshopped the the picture of me in the Mario Kart, and then there were like little fireballs to yeah, like a yeah. catcher. Yeah. that one was pretty good. I like that was. Like, that was Dave, wasn't it? Don't yeah, that's that's Dave. I'll uh, we can let him know you like that one. I was like, that's pretty funny. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm all about the creative stuff, you know, like when, when the fans are doing that stuff, it's like, that that's fun to me. Right. Cause I mean, some people get super creative. Like my, my best friend, he does a whole bunch of graphic design and multimedia stuff. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but he tweeted a picture of like a uh, WWE, like me, like, well, crop my face and there's like a chair and I'm like hitting <laughs> yeah. some other guy. I don't know. Yeah. He goes, what do you think about this one? I was like, yo, what the heck? <laughs> well, you, got, you got way too much time on your hands dude yeah but, yeah well we all do so all good. Uh, <laughs> you're the one that doesn't have that much time on your hands because you got to yeah. play baseball but we're, we all got all good. the time in the world. um but uh thanks alex Very for joining cool. us man and uh yeah, good luck no the rest of the way thank you thank you i appreciate it thank you all right man. Appreciate thank it. you alex. and that was alex vesia everyone thanks again alex for joining us we really appreciate it adding another Dodgers member, Dodgers bullpen member to the incline friend of the show collection. So that was quite a privilege. David, what did you want to add? Yeah. I mean, he was a super awesome guy to talk to. Uh, it just felt like talking to like one of my buddies, you know, about baseball and stupid stuff and all this other stuff. So he was, he was a good time, super insightful. Uh, you know, I liked his answer to my, uh, question on a, the vertical movement of his fastball. That was very interesting uh similar you know it's crazy that they don't know really why he has that much vertical movement uh that takes me back to blake trinan uh having the movement he does because of a little accident when he was a kid on his on his thumb uh so it's hey you never know what's going to be a blessing in disguise and i guess alex vesia was blessed with vertical movement on his fastball so yeah i mean we we really are collecting Dodgers bullpen infinity stones. I'll tell you that we're about, we're about three away from snapping and destroying half the universe. We got Kenley Jansen. We'd have our closer, a top right-handed setup man and a top left-handed setup man. Yeah. I, I'm setting my sights on Bickford next. I, <laughs> I feel like he'd be an interesting guy. I feel like nobody knows anything about him. Yeah. I'm right there with you. And then I think this 
happened off the air when we were chatting with him a little bit, but his comments about, wow, you guys know a lot of stats that I didn't even know that I was capable, capable of. So that was yeah, that's funny. pretty funny that he didn't know. Uh, well, I don't want to expose him, but yeah. yeah, we, we knew some stats. He knew some stats, but uh, he just has it. He's just, he's just a, a baseball thrower is what he is. Yes. All right. So this is kind of the episode of hundreds. And what I mean is your Dodgers are now 156 on the season. This is the ninth time ever in franchise history that they've surpassed or reached 100 wins in a single season. And this is the sixth time in Major League Baseball history where a defending World Series champion reaches 100 wins or more in the following season. Great season overall, but I've always had the mindset like regular season wins are great, but you got to show me what you can do in October. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Uh, this is 100. They're going to win at least 104 games. Uh, you can't view this season as a failure if they don't win the division. You just can't. Uh, they've dealt with injuries. They've dealt with drama off the field. They've dealt with pretty much everything you can deal with as a baseball team, and they've still prevailed, and they're going to be, at worst, the second-best record in baseball. So, look, we won't care about the division uh, as long as they beat the Cardinals in the wild card game, we won't care about it at all. Uh, obviously, it's a different story if you lose the wild card game. But, you know, to the haters and to the negative Nancys out there, I'm just going to leave you with this. What did the first seven of the eight division titles get us? Nothing. Got us two World Series appearances. Uh, but in the end, nothing. Uh, so the Giants, you know, they might win the division, but it's, it's up to them to, to make it count. Uh, and the Dodgers are one, one wild card game win away from being on the level playing field as the Giants again. And then if they, they take out the trash themselves, it's that simple. Yeah. And do you really feel better about going 92 and 70 and finishing uh, the division by eight games in first place? Or do you feel better about a team going into the postseason where they're 156 and they're in second place? So it's all perspective here. The Giants are playing way over their heads. They're about to show what they're made of. They have two major injuries that could potentially cost them, and that's Brandon Belt and Darren Ruff. One in Belt has a broken finger now, and then Darren Ruff has a strained oblique. So we'll see if they're ready by the postseason. But with that being said, there's still six games left. The Dodgers are two games behind the San Francisco Giants. I said this was the episode of hundreds because I also wanted to add – um, on Sunday's game, Trey Turner and Corey Seager both reached career number 100 individually. Home run, right? Home run. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So that's quite a milestone. It's no 500, obviously. But going back to just how good Corey Seager's been, he's now up to a 135 weighted runs created. Season average now 292 with 12 home runs, 50 RBIs over his last seven games has a slash line of 407, 515, and 815. And when you have Chris Taylor absolutely doing nothing, Justin Turner's declining, Max Muncy's hit or miss, and Mookie Betts has been slumping as well, Corey Seager, Trey Turner have really been the two guys that are stepping up for the Dodgers down this final stretch in September. Yeah, uh, you said it. Both of these guys are, are carrying the, the offense lately. Uh, you know, there's still a week for – you know, other contributors like Mookie Betts to get back on track. He's been cold the last week, week and a half. Uh, Muncy's kind of been home runner bust. Uh, but what I took away is in Arizona is a lot of those guys like Betts and Muncy, they hit the ball really hard that series. A uh, ton of warning track flyouts from basically the whole team. Uh, AJ Pollock picked up right where he left off. Yes. Uh, so that's, that's going to be a huge factor for the Dodgers in the postseason. Uh, once they get past the wild card game, I hope. Yep. But Pollock batted 400 in that series with one home run. Yeah, he kills his former team. I don't know why, but he does. Uh, look, they're they're in a good spot. I know it's going to be a terrible week of anxiety and anticipation of this wild card game on not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. But they're in a good spot. They really are. If if they get beat in the wild card game. They'll beat themselves. They're not going to get beat by the Cardinals. I don't care that they've won 16 games in a row. In fact, I hope the Cardinals don't lose for the rest of the season. I, I really do. Uh, because that that is a recipe for disaster heading into the postseason. So the tweet 
from the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, official page really irks me. This came on the second game of the series when the Diamondbacks obviously beat the Dodgers. They tweet final score with the caption, you're welcome, Giants. If if this doesn't feed into my theory that the Rockies, the Padres, and the Diamondbacks would all rather see the Giants win the division than the Dodgers, then I don't know what to tell you. The Rockies, on the other hand, got swept by the Giants out there in Colorado. They scored 19 runs against the Dodgers in three games. And what do they do against the San Francisco Giants? They score six runs over three games. Yeah. uh, There might be something to it. Uh, they could just also be terrible teams, which their record indicates. Uh, but the Rockies, more so than the Diamondbacks, let us down. Um, I, ex- I expect poverty moves from a, a team that has lost 104 games and just extended their manager. Uh, so I don't expect much from Arizona. We, we dropped the ball losing, letting them win that game on Saturday. Uh, that was not an acceptable. I told you on the last episode, they needed to, they needed to sweep uh, and they couldn't do it. And, you can't count on the Rockies to do our, do the, do the work for us, but it would be very Padres to fully get up for this series starting Tuesday uh, and then shut down Tatis, shut down Darvish uh, for the last series uh, against San Francisco. So that's fully what I'm expecting. Frankly, I've moved on to the focus on the Cardinals. Uh, if the Dodgers win out and the Giants lose two games, then they'll tie and I'll, I'll be get, I'll be going to a uh, game 163 in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, the, the final thing with the Diamondbacks, 50 wins on the season while the Dodgers have 100 wins and they have the audacity to tweet that. Just a laughable franchise. And I'll be, we talked about this a few days ago. I thought they were going to be decent going into the season. I thought they had a number of weapons. And if you think, think the Dodgers are underperforming, look at the Diamondbacks. I don't care what team you are. When you're spending money and you have veteran presence on your team, 50 wins, I can't even fathom that ever – as a Dodgers fans, I thought 71 and 91 was a disaster in 05, but to be watching a 51 team, it, it's, it's a shame. Um, so moving on. Yes. The Dodgers do play the Padres. That is a three game series. It's the last series. I think when the schedule makers initially had this in mind, they thought it'd be an epic three game series to kind of close out the season. Two teams battling for first place. Obviously that is not the case. The Padres are, 22 games behind the Dodgers now. They're 24 games overall behind the Giants for first place. They are now a measly 78 and 78 on the season. That's right. A 500 team in the second half since the all-star break. They're 25 and 38. So this Padres team is free falling. The only starter that they've announced is in the first game where it will be you Darvish taking on Walker Bueller and then Chris Paddock would have been the second starter, but he's just been so bad they decided to put the dog down. He's out for the rest of the season. So we don't know what they're going to throw. Jake Arietta was released. I know Vince Velasquez is on the team, but he's also really crappy. They have nothing left. They got nothing, man. It's <laughs> it's Velasquez. It's Ryan Weathers. It's it's Lamette for an inning. It's They got nothing left, man. Snell is still shut down, although apparently he's going to try to pitch for some reason. So it's like AJ Preller just can't help himself. He just has to, he just needs injuries. So this is probably the one good thing that goes on in San Diego. And I feel bad for him. The San Diego Tribune's own Kevin AC would love to get him on the podcast. Maybe next year, kind of read his mind. I wish I had Morgan Freeman reading this article because it's just so glorious to hear the headline to start this article about the Padres is the disappointment was a long time in the making. And what he basically says AC is that, you know, AJ Prowler has been a disaster. It starts with him trading the prospects, I guess, dating back to 2019, they've had, they've traded 18 prospects that were ranked in the top 30. I'm going to assume that's within the farm system. So that's 18 prospects. And what do the Padres do? They fired their scouting director just the other day, which makes absolutely no sense because that was probably the one good thing going on within the organization, assembling all those pieces that Preller essentially wasted. The Padres now, since they're officially eliminated from postseason contention, in the 53 years that this franchise has been in existence, 
This will be the 47th year that they've missed the postseason. So 47 out of the 53 years. Can't do the math off the top of my head, but I'm going to assume that's in the high 80s, 90%. Bad, Bad is what it is. <laughs> yes. Okay, I got, I got two things to say. One is on Kevin AC. Uh, I'm just going to read a tweet from him. He, he could be a nice guy, but this tweet deserves scrutiny. July 29th, after the Dodgers had just acquired Max Scherzer, he, he tweets, I'll quote, I'll just say it. Who needs Max Scherzer? Joe Musgrove goes seven scoreless. Minutes later, Padres officially announced Daniel Hudson deal, and they could get another starter who can spin it and is averaging six innings a start before 1 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow. Not great, Kevin. Not great. Turns out you needed Max Scherzer and a whole lot more. You seem like a nice guy, but get owned. Anyway, second thing I want to talk about. What A.J. Preller is doing right now is what, a, is what a dictator does. Go throughout history. When a dictator feels the walls closing within him, what does he do? He fires his generals. He fires his close confidants. He fires everybody, puts the blame on them, and tries to pivot. That is what's happening with A.J. Preller. He feels the pressure. He feels the walls closing. He has one thing he can hold his hat to, and that's Fernando Tatis Jr. He let the Whites, the White Sox let that man walk out for James Shields in what was a franchise-altering disaster for the White Sox. They're okay now, but still, what that, what that trade did was give A.J. Preller life. Uh, you look back at his trades this past, just this these last two years, Clevenger, injured, bad trade. Everything he gave to the Mariners for uh, Nola, horrible. Ty France having a phenomenal season, uh, along with Taylor Trammell, who hasn't even come up yet. Uh, I, I can go on and on. This man is a disaster for this Padres organization. He has made horrible trade after horrible trade, and his one saving grace is the, the league leader in, in errors in the season. Uh, yeah, he's, he feels the walls closing in. They're not going to fire him, but what this is firing the scouting director, classic fire, dictator move. Look throughout history, coach. fired the hitting coach, fired the pitching coach. Uh, you name it. He's, he's heads are rolling because he feels the walls closing in classic dictatorial move from Preller. What are the odds that they, one of those guys that were fired was actually the guy who told him about Fernando Tatis jr. Wouldn't surprise me at all. <laughs> Would not surprise me. Yeah. I think Preller will survive one more year, but he doesn't deserve it. I am completely on board with what you said. Jace Tingler, on the other hand, I think he's a dead man walking. Oh, yeah. And um, I mean, look, they I don't know if Preller traded Trey Turner, but he traded Max Freed. He traded uh, – he gave Hosmer that contract. He gave Myers that contract. Yep. The list goes on and, and that's on. All he, he is a disaster. In, it's all detailed in the AC article yeah. as well. So sorry, sorry for being mean, Kevin, but you deserved it for that tweet. Not you, Kevin, yeah. Kevin AC. I think he was just trying to keep the fans motivated because he saw the writing on the walls that their season was on the verge of collapse. That's what yeah. I even if we have him on, he won't listen to this episode. So eat it, Kevin. <laughs> so the Dodgers finished their road, se- road trip for the season. They ended up having a 48 and 33 record and to be annoying that was one game better than what they did in 2017 is that right yep Hmm. we're still we don't know the home yet because they have six home games so they have a chance to beat that as well but the last thing i want to say before we make our announcement is the dodgers have three more games with the brewers the brewers had uh, a rotation set up they have now taken it aback so we don't know who they're going to be throwing Th- those games could be relevant but not really at the same time because the brewers are for sure making the playoffs and they are on the other side of the nl bracket if they were to beat the atlanta braves who i also believe will win the division although it's not official yet brewers will probably beat that team go to the nlcs and then the winner of the cardinals dodgers or giants will face the brewers yep and uh, we're going to – I haven't seen if they have probables yet, but I'd imagine we see at least one of Burns and Woodruff. Uh, but I think these are all going to be tune-up starts. I think we get three, four, five max innings out of these guys, uh, maybe an inning or two from Hayter and Williams to keep them sharp. Uh, but the Dodgers are going to have – you know, it, depending what the Giants do, the Dodgers are going to have ample opportunity to win the, those final three games versus the Brewers. They're, they're not going to play their guys – for the entirety of these games. They're just not. So we're really excited here over at the incline. 
to officially announce we're joining the fan-sided podcast network as well as Minute Media. This is really exciting for us because fan-sided is, is well-known as one of the top sports websites and media outlets in the business. So we want to thank you so much, fan-sided, for having us join your team. So... Yeah, uh, super stoked to, to get this opportunity. Uh, you know, they reached out to us and, you know, we're just three idiots who talk about the Dodgers. So we were pleasantly surprised to uh, get this opportunity and we're still going to be ourselves and do exactly what we're doing normally. Just going to be, you know, helped out by a uh, company like Fansided. So we're super excited. I know Jake is excited. Uh, he would like to extend his his own thanks to them and, and excitement as well. Uh, he's obviously not here for the last couple minutes of the show, uh, but we're super stoked. Uh, you know, happy to be happy to be on board and look forward to uh, big things coming here. Yes. So we're going to do final thoughts real quick, but there were a couple quick questions that I noticed that were addressed to us. One being who's starting the wildcard game. Well, Dave Roberts had already confirmed Steve M that Max Scherzer will be that guy in case you missed it. Pal. And then someone, someone else asked another question and Jake himself wanted to talk about defense. He made that a point Yeah, he did. that we, we, we talk about some Dodgers defense because that was an issue in that one Arizona loss uh, between Trey Turner. I know made some defensive errors, Justin Turner airmailed a ball, but with that being said, we're going to go a different route here. Scott crew wants to know in the playoffs, Assuming a right-handed pitcher is on the mound, what is the starting outfield defense going to be? And I think we're going to have different opinions. So I'll just go first real quick. If, if A.J. Pollock proves that the hamstring is 90%, 85 to 90, 100, whatever, I think you have to make him the starting center fielder. I think Gavin Lux goes in left field and Mookie Betts goes in right field. And with my rationale is it is it terrifies me to death that Gavin Lux would be your center fielder given just the lack of experience. I I don't necessarily disagree. Uh, granted, we got six games left at Dodger Stadium. Those are going to be six games where I can tell you Gavin Lux is going to play center field for at least five of them. Uh, if if he's in center field for these games, there's your center fielder for the wild card game. Uh, granted, I, I agree. It is concerning that he does not have more than four games of experience in center field as of right now, but he's shown himself to be pretty capable out there. The arm is not ideal, uh, but his fielding ability, he's getting better reads on the ball. I'm a little nervous, but you can't really keep his bat out of the lineup right now. Uh, and you can't risk Pollock getting hurt. You just can't, uh, I think he'll be okay. I, I really think he'll be okay out there. Uh, Betts is going to have to take control out there. Uh, it wouldn't. It's not crazy to to say that Betts should be playing center and Pollock and right and Lux and left. Uh, but hey, we just got to enjoy the ride. We, we're we're a wild card. We're a wild card team with 104 wins. Who cares if Gavin Lux is in center? He'll get it done. Any final thoughts before we sign out? But, but yeah, he Bellinger's not going to start in that game. Uh, and it doesn't look know. like Chris Taylor is going to start in that game either because he is he has been ice cold at the plate. And you just you can't, you know, in a one game playoff, you can't keep these the two of the guys, two of your hottest hitters out of the lineup. Defense be damned. You need to score runs, period. Uh, you're going to have Scherzer on the mound, so he's not going to give up too many runs. Uh, you got to score, and you got to score early. As a defensive substitution, you know, p past the sixth or seventh inning, yeah, Chris Taylor is going to be out there. Uh, but starting the game, you're going to see Lux out there. Yeah. What a ride for him this year. I mean, started as the starting second baseman, didn't hit, got sent down, then shortstopped when Seager got hurt, sent down again. Now he's an outfielder. Now he's like the hottest hitter on the team, and, the, and everyone's back on the Lux train. So happy to say I, I never hopped off the train. That is very true. That's all I got today. Next time you hear from us, we'll probably be previewing whether it's a wild card game or celebrating that the Dodgers won the division or we're pre prepping for a 163. That's what baseball is all about. 
Love it when a season goes down to the wire. This is the most tested that the Dodgers really have been in quite some time. So it's obviously good for the game. I think fans, um, let's fans didn't get the same thrill the last couple of seasons. The Dodgers essentially steamrolled the entire competition, but the San Francisco Giants, as much as I hate them, got to give them credit. They yep. are the best team in Major League Baseball as we speak right now. Yeah, until the uh, until the cheating scandal drops, I will I will give them credit for now. Um, still still suspect on all these old people having career seasons and all these nobodies having career seasons. But right now, my hat is off to you, San Francisco. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much again, Alex Vesia. Thank you as well. Make sure to follow the Incline on Twitter at the Incline Pod. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. The Incline Dodgers. Once again, you can also. F- support Dodgers tailgate and we are now part of fan sided. We're super pumped. Things are just going awesome. And I will also add, if you didn't catch our last episode with Chris Geeter McGee, that was a quite, that was quite a fun one too. That was just released a few days ago and still pretty relevant. So check that one out because Lakers season is on the horizon. And give us a, give us a uh, subscribe on, on YouTube as well. We're going to start up that uh, YouTube channel uh, it'd help us out if you could subscribe there. Uh, and if you're feeling super generous, you could leave us a nice review on the Apple podcast store or wherever you get your podcast. We'd appreciate it now that we're all big time and what whatnot. That's right. We're out. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for four 99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or seven up all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.